it is Friday the 11th of October, I'm your host Ryan Kia and this is the Quantium Cast. Today we're going to be talking about costs, economic costs indeed. One thing that for many economic students would act as an aid and it could probably help us over the next couple of episodes because we would try and understand why businesses do what they do, if we could put it simply. There's one thing out there, it's called economic cost. It isn't accounting cost, because economic cost accounts for opportunity cost, the next best alternative forgotten. That is the easiest way to explain what opportunity cost is. The easiest way is to basically say that this accounts for the opportunity cost of production. That basically means that the value you are assuming could have been generated had the same resources been employed in the next best use. So, I don't know, if you were going to put your money in a business and then the next best alternative, which is unrealistic, but say it was putting your money in a bank. So the interest that you would be giving up in the bank would account for additional cost on top of the nominal costs that you would have incurred. For example, if you were running a business Let's go on the topic of fish. Say if you're a fish and chip shop and you had some cost for equipment to pay for, some of your suppliers, one thing that you should probably take into account is that you have to make these payments regardless. But by starting up the business, you are not putting your money in a bank, but you're putting it into the business. And so you have additional cost that is put on top. That basically values your time in a sense because if you put your money in i don't know an etf tracker that does an average of three four percent a year and you'd get that return by the way an etf tracker is an exchange traded fund it's like a an investment vehicle that is free from tax in most cases and it can help you without doing much work i mean you put it in an etf and you just sit down and sip your drink really Let's give another example with a market trader, but not the kind of stock market traders you'd think. We're talking fish market traders. So those guys have very obvious costs, such as the cost of buying stock to sell, the rent for, let's say their stands or whatever, or the area of which they probably booked out to sell their fish in. They've also got petrol. That's a cost to get them to and fro the market and money will be paid for these and this will be an accurate reflection of opportunity cost because there are some hidden costs resources which have an opportunity cost but for which no payment is made must have something called an imputed cost and there are so many different examples we could use to talk about imputed costs so for labor you've got a market trader working on her own account She may calculate she's made £50 profit on a day's trading, but this doesn't include the value of her own time. If she could have earned £40 working elsewhere in another job for the day, let's just say at some menial work, then her economic profit is only £10. Hence, the opportunity cost of her labour must be included as an economic cost of production. There's another one, financial capital. If you start up a company with £50,000 of your own money. The economic cost of production must include the opportunity cost that startup capital. So if you could have earned 10% per 
per year on interest repayments or whatever. Well, not repayments. If you put your money in a bank, you'd get 10% on top. That'd be five grand. That additional opportunity cost would be £5,000 per year. There's another thing, depreciation. The physical capital of a company will deteriorate over time. Machines wear out, built things need reparations, and some other things if you'd like to think about. Just costs come into play and your assets lose value. Like, like when you buy a car, immediately if you buy it in first-hand condition, it's going to lose likely half of its value. The majority of cars are like this. If you buy from new and you use it, it becomes second-hand. So the economic cost of depreciation is the difference between the purchase price and the second-hand value of a good. I mean, let's look at a car. Say in the first year, cars depreciate on average by 40%. Let's say if a company is paying £10,000 for a new car, which depreciates by 40% over its first year, only has an asset value of around six grand. let us just say at the end of the year. That's the end of one year of 40% depreciation. You paid 10 grand for the car, so you lost four grand value, remaining with 6,000 pounds. 6,000 pounds, that is the monetary value of the opportunity cost of keeping the car rather than selling it at the end of that year, which is interesting. If you kept the car, you therefore have 6,000 pounds in monetary value. There's another thing we should look at with regards to cost though, and that is goodwill. Goodwill, we could explain it by using a firm trading over a number of years, trying to acquire a good reputation. And by doing that, they may produce branded goods which become household names. So the goodwill of these brands has an opportunity cost. They could have sold to a rival company. Therefore, the interest foregone on the potential sale value of these must be included as an economic cost. That's quite interesting because a lot of businesses could actually come forth and say, you know what, we think we could have sold ourselves to a super major, set up a fake bid and pump up their valuation and raise capital. It's crazy how things work in the markets. I mean, economic theory really does create a foundation, but is it really a practical foundation? We don't really know. But obviously, don't argue against them in your exam, eh? <laughs> as they say to all of us. But... Um, Economists themselves actually differ in their use of the word cost. From accountants, tax inspectors, businesses and others, accountants have developed specific conventions about what is and what is not a cost, and what should and what should not be included on a balance sheet. And an accountant's balance sheet may be very different from that of an economist. But there are also two different types of costs that we should probably cover before we head off. Uh, one is a fixed cost. So fixed cost is very well known by the majority of you, but just to clarify, if you haven't heard of it before, it's also known as an overhead cost. And a fixed cost is one of which does not vary directly with output. So if you pump up more amounts, or say, let's say units of production, right? Your cost doesn't increase reflecting upon that. But if you do that, one cost does increase. That will be your variable costs. And we'll talk about variable costs in a second, but let's give a couple of examples of fixed costs. So, costs of equipment, because you're not gonna be paying for equipment every one month or whatever, unless you lease the equipment. Say you're 
a fish and chip shop and you're paying for your fryers or whatever monthly then yeah it kind of works as a kind of variable cost but the thing is if you have a balance sheet and it comes at the end of the year statement and say you're paying for it within one year it would just be a fixed cost just spread out which is totally fine with uh, variable costs though which we'll go on to talk about now they are costs of which vary directly with output. So as your production increases, so does variable cost. So let's give an example. If you're a steel maker, you'll use iron ore, just for example, one of the things in the compound. And the more steel produced, the more iron ore will be needed. And so the cost of the iron ore is a variable cost. Raw materials as well for the production are the clearest example of variable cost for most firms. It is not always easy to categorize a cost as either fixed or variable. Many costs are kind of semi-variable costs. You could probably hear the term quasi-variable costs before. Well, labor's a good example. Some firms might employ permanent staff, so they'd be giving costs that could be clarified as fixed ones, so fixed costs like salaries and stuff uh, they may actually ask permanent staff to do overtime which is necessary or even employ temporary labor but these costs would be classified as variable so zero contract hours that kind of thing but permanent staff could be seen as a variable cost if a firm were willing to hire and fire staff as its output changed so it depends on how you classify it that basically means that, say, if you're a firm, you're the fish and chip shop, and you decide you're willing to hire and fire additional people, or staff, as we could put it, as your output changes. So if you're up from, I don't know, 500 customers being served in terms of, I don't know, one average portion, let's just say, I don't know, cod and chips a day, uh, you double that to a 1,000 cod and chips per day, you're basically opening yourselves up to more production being put out, obviously. And that means that you will likely hire more people due to that bump in production. That is basically a variable cost in that case. It, it depends how we classify everything. But we could give an example here, right? In practice, firms do adjust staff numbers with output but the adjustment is sluggish there's delays it's kind of like accounting statements these days there are delays in reporting <laughs> but uh, therefore the cost of labor is neither variable nor fixed it is actually semi-variable in the short run at least one factor of production will remain fixed so it cannot be changed and a factor of production would be something like land, labor, capital, and enterprise, otherwise known as LLCE, if you can't remember it. That's a better way to remember it. Land, labor, capital, and enterprise. And in the short run, this means that some costs are fixed costs, whilst others will be variable, which is a good measure because now we can kind of start to build a picture of what's going on for a firm, what's going on for an industry. But in the long run, all factor inputs can vary. So in the long run, all costs will be variable costs, including those that were previously mentioned as fixed because rent can vary, property prices can vary, 
cost of materials can vary, so many different things can move. We must be careful. Those who are business owners must actually take into account what types of costs they're dealing with. This is really basic textbook level stuff, but it is something that many people slip up on time after time. I think we'll probably talk about other types of costs like total cost, total variable cost, total fixed cost, maybe average cost, marginal cost, coming from an economist's perspective. And hopefully that will help those who are struggling on this topic. This has been another episode of the Quantium Cast. We will be returning on Monday, as always. I've been your host, Ryan Keir. Until next time.